Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to In the Closet of Deafness. This is um, one of your hosts, Dr. Marie Rubens. Um, I know I'm a little early this week, um, but I've got sort of a massive schedule the rest of the week, so I figured no time like the present. Um, um, before I begin, I just want to point out that on Blog Talk Radio and our Facebook group and the Closet Objectivist, I've got links to um, Corey's Patreon, where you can show him your objectivist love with dollars or rubles or whatever, um, and a link to um, his family's meal train. So it's one less thing for them to worry about. Um, so um I t- uh this sorry I'm really struggling today. Um this week's episode is a review of the Early Ayn Rand which is a collection of um short stories she wrote very early on when she emigrated to the United States. Um a synopsis of a movie that she sold, um excerpts from her mature fiction that she um decided to exclude, um, but which still um, has a lot of aesthetic value. Um, So you can imagine it. I really, it's on Audible. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, One of my favorites from this collection was um, an early story that she wrote called Good Copy. It's about um, a reporter in a very small I guess the word I'm looking for is sedentary town. There's not a lot of exciting things that happen, but he's convinced that he's an excellent writer and um, he longs for um, something eventful to happen so he can showcase his talent as a reporter. Um, so he kidnaps an heiress to, to generate that um, news. Um, and it's... <laughs> It's such a delightful story, and I just wanted to um, read an excerpt for you. Um, he's he's um, dictating, you know, he's interacting with this this heiress who he's kidnapped. I I say that somewhat facetiously, um, <laughs> and I love the character Jinx. I, I she's she's probably the funniest character of the Ayn Rand universe, at least in my view. Um, so here's, here it is. Quote, But that is not all, Miss Winford, he said severely when, when he had finished the new ransom message. You too are going to write a letter to your father. Oh, with pleasure, she answered willingly. He gave her a pen and a sheet of paper. She wrote quickly, Dear Pop, what do you mean, he shouted, dear Pop, do you realize that your letter will be published in all of the papers? You write what I dictate. All right, she agreed sweetly and took another sheet. Dear Father, he dictated solemnly, if there is in your heart a single drop of pity for your unfortunate daughter, you will. I never write like that, she observed. Never mind, now write. You will come you will come to my rescue at once. Exclamation point. I can't tell you all the suffering 
I am suffering, I am going through. Have you got that? Please, oh, please save me. Exclamation point. If you could only see what your poor daughter is doing now. Hey, don't you think that if he could see that, he would be rather surprised and not in the way you want? Go on, right, I say. Is doing now, your heart would break. Most probably. Go on. I can't write very well because my eyes are dimmed with tears. Aren't you laying on too thick? With tears. I implore you to spare no effort to save me. Now sign it. Your desperate daughter, no, gosh, not jinx, Juliana Xenia Winford. <laughs> I just, uh, end quote. Um, I just love that exchange where he was dictating the ransom letter, or the, the, the imploring letter, and she's like, aren't you laying it on kind of thick? Um, so, yeah. Um, I have to say, though, that my favorite in the entire collection is the first story. Um, when, when Ayn Rand was still mastering not even her second, but her third language, English, um, um, it's called The Husband I Bought. Now, I had read We the Living before then, before reading The Husband I Bought. So I didn't think there was any story as depressing as We the Living, and I was wrong by an order of magnitude. Um, when I listened to The Husband I Bought, I was sobbing. Um, so I'll, I'll read a couple of um, uh, quotations. Um, quote, they were right, perhaps, those who said that I bought my husband. I bought his life. I bought his happiness. I paid with everything I had. I love him. If I could live life again, I would live it just as I did, unquote. Uh, Leonard Peacock points out that on the surface, this story is fairly conventional. The actions of an unwanted wife on behalf of a husband she loves. Um, but notice that the title isn't The Husband I Sacrifice For. At her core, the protagonist values something so much that she is willing to pay for it with more than her every dime. She, uh, excuse me, she hoped to buy more than, more with um, everything she had, in other words, she hoped that everything she had would buy her more than it did. Um, but what she was able to gain from the spiritual trade was worth it to her. And um, yet again, I'm, I'm struck by Ayn Rand's benevolence. I think a lot of people would be, would have been consumed by bitterness um, at loving someone who didn't love them back. Um, to someone who... To love someone as much as Irene, the, the main protagonist, loves Henry, makes one vulnerable to the deepest kind of hurt. Quoting from the story, quote, a frequent guest of ours was my best friend, and my best friend was Mr. Barnes. He watched our life attentively. He saw our impossible 
unbelievable happiness. It made him glad, but thoughtful. He asked me once, what would happen if he stopped loving you? I had to gather all my strength to make my voice speak. Don't ever repeat it. There are things too horrible that one must not think about. End quote. And later, quote, women, girls, everyone that shall hear me, listen to this. Don't love somebody beyond limits and consciousness. Try to have always some other aim or duty. Don't love beyond your very soul. If you can, I cannot. End quote. A wise person once told me that um, hurt people hurt people. And um, I wish I didn't resemble that remark. Um, Garrett, Rachel, if you're listening, um, I'm talking to you. I, I wish I knew how to bear my own pain without letting it affect the people I care about, but I don't. Um, as it go listeners have probably noticed, um, I'm, I'm really trying to hold it together and I'm trying to keep this podcast positive and obviously I am a spectacular failure. It's, uh, it's one of the many reasons I miss Corey. Um, I miss his serenity. I, I miss how he's able to, to change and to grow and to take on new challenges cheerfully and always approach life optimistically. I, I miss his example of what it is to be a good friend and a good spouse and a good dad. And, um, I mean, it's not like I, I'm not surrounded by good examples. I'm luckier than I deserve in that respect. But I obviously need as many good examples as I can get. So uh, I, I want to leave with um, one last quotation from the husband I bought that um, really exemplifies how a seemingly unconventional story is so uniquely value-oriented. This is um, Irene's um, parting words to um, the man she loves. Quote, Leave suffering to those who cannot help it. You must smile at life and never think about those who cannot. They are not worthwhile. End quote. 